The EC Podcast exists to equip believers to make disciples and love others for the glory of Jesus Christ. Church Essential. With me today is Pastor Aaron Case, Pastor Jonathan Mitchell, and Pastor Gary Singleton. Welcome, gentlemen. Good to be here. Thank you. Hello, sir. Hello. We've got a pretty uh, hot topic word here today, yeah, and sure. it's the essentiality of church. Sounds legit. That, that sounded way better than I thought it was going to. Uh, it's, it might not even be a word. I don't know. But it anyway, is now. It is, it now. is now. We claim it. And, and so... Given where we have been the past, ah, gosh, it feels like forever, year and a half or so, the word essential is kind of a big deal. We've heard it all over the place. So today we're talking about, is the church essential? So why is this even a topic? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously this became a topic because of the pandemic. And, you know, when we had the, what was it, was it 15 days or 14 days to slow the curve to flatten the curve. flatten the curve yeah, 15 days yeah. that's the longest 15 days that might be what those old earth creationists are talking about that must be a day each day was an age yeah yeah back when you know back when that started um you know only the essential things could happen only essential workers and you know it's definitely looked a little bit different down here in tennessee because uh, I remember what was essential was I could go play golf. <laughs> That's true. So That's true. I could sell doors. Yeah. You, Aaron you could just sell could, doors. You couldn't get the ball out of the cup. Right. Can't touch the flagstick touch or the, the flag. rake. Yeah. So, um, which naturally meant I went into more bunkers. But uh, anyways, <laughs> so then you, you had to start asking questions. So what are, what are essential workers? What are essential things? Uh, hospitals are essential. Um, schools weren't. Uh which is interesting, I guess. And uh, the big question came, okay, so what about gathering in churches? And uh, I think almost every church, uh, I know there's certainly a few, but uh, stopped meeting in person for a while. We made that decision included. And the question just kind of kept coming, you know, so what's essential um, about meeting together? Is So is meeting together essential? Uh, is meeting together part of the church, um, and we had to really, we had to really dive into the what we believed about that, and what does the Bible say about that, which is the most important thing. Mm, yeah. And so here, here's the question: Is the church essential? Yes. Hey, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think the quintessential passage in regards to that is found in Hebrews 10, and I'm going to read read the scriptures around it and. If you've just read the one verse that I know most of you, our audience is probably thinking of when I, when I say Hebrews 10, I want you to read this whole chapter and I want you to really hear what the rest of this passage says and just the implication of what it means. So if you, if you want to turn there or pause or go to it or 
Just listen carefully. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. And let's begin at verse, uh, let's begin at verse 19. It says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean, from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir, one, stir up one another to good works, to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another <clears throat> all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning, still in the same context, deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, for, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fiery fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. I mean, that's <laughs> that's, oh, that's heavy right there. That's heavy. As I was studying this in um, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 24 really stuck out to me. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And the reason that stood out to me is because um, when the church, um, our church, made the decision to uh, not meet because of COVID, I genuinely, and I'm sure um, <clears throat> everyone at church felt the same, just genuinely missed my brothers and sisters. I could not wait to the day till we can, we can meet again. And then uh, we got the word that we're going to meet um, again on one Sunday, and I was so excited. And when we, when Christy and I came to church, it was like a true homecoming. Uh, people were hugging each other, uh, laughing, just genuinely fellowshipping with one another with true hearts, just for the love of the Lord and the love of one another. And I just, I remember that day, people were almost in tears, people like Janie Whaley. I, I just remember uh, their hearts being filled with love uh, for one another that day. And um, how can we, uh, it, it just, the thought came to my mind, how can we truly uh, fellowship with one another if we're not at church? If we are not uh, among our brothers and sisters, how can we truly encourage one another? How can we love one another? How can we truly um, lift one another up um, uh, in the faith? And uh, 
the only way to truly do that is to be together, to meet as God has commanded us to do so. And I think that ultimately gets to the question you could kind of hear, uh, you can almost hear the rebuttal as we talk. Well, okay, uh, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. So, you know, I think we've all dealt a lot with this. I think we're, we're reaping. This is what I've told my brother when we've had this conversation over this past year and a half. We're now at the whole church together. Um, I think especially in America, we're reaping what we've sown for years and for years and for years. What we've, what we've testified with our lives about the, what we believe about the importance of church. Yeah. Uh, we see it, especially with our kids here at church. When you have, when your student ministry is mostly compiled of, of students whose parents aren't involved in church whatsoever and really don't care where their kids go, just, you know, okay, you're going to church, great. They don't care about it. They may claim the name of Christ, whatever, but, you know, they don't go to church, um, certainly aren't involved, don't live out their faith. Well, when you have, just for our, for us, just a couple of months of not meeting, you know, these kids found something, I guess, quote unquote, better to do or um, a better use of their time. Um, and it's, it's crazy what we're reaping in that regards. And so the rebuttal would be, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And so I think that's maybe some of the discussion that might need to be had a little bit today. Well, is, and, and is to, to, to kind of piggyback off of that, even the families who we would say are a part of the church have held things to being more essential than the church, like, you know, the nice day at the lake or the ball games or whatever it may be. They've not made um, the communion with the believers, the fellow believers, essential in their their lives daily or weekly. They've put other things above that. And I think those two months off, um, and I'm not going to lie, it was it was difficult to kind of restart yeah. that that routine or however you want to call it, restart that once it was time to, to reconvene here. Um, but if you never made it important on the front end, those two months allowed you to let those other things creep in and get in the way. And, and unfortunately it's, it's taken over a lot of, of church members, not specifically just here, but at other churches as well. No, for sure. And I, I think, I think we do have to say that they're, there definitely were folks who had reason to to be concerned, you know, uh, what we found, you know, especially at the beginning, we we did not want to just wipe out our whole con- congregation um, because of our zeal to meet, you know, in ignorance because we didn't know what was happening. Uh, we wanted to supplement with as much as we could throughout the week with, you know, things on, on the screen. But uh, as... As we've stated already, there there really is no there's no trade off. You know, there it's not the same. I guess is what I'm trying to say. To sit before a screen as it is to sit and to sing and to have that fellowship, to get to get those hugs and to get that encouragement from our brothers and sisters. And so, we would say, you know, there was a there was a period where decisions had to be made and. You know they were difficult, and there are times you know where I know folks who who struggle with their health really really had a tough time, and and so we we empathize with them, 
Um, but again, I think I think what what both of you guys have just said is true. I think what was super sad was to to be like, man, I miss those people. They've been gone six to eight months. And they're like, well, we just gotten out of the habit, you know. And okay, so what is what is that revealing? Or then, you know, you see people posting pictures of being at the game or going to the mall or going on vacation or doing all these other things. And I'm like, okay, um, hopefully they're going to another church, you know, or, you know, like hopefully they're they're doing something somewhere. They don't have to come to Eden Chapel to be to be in the kingdom. But at the same time, a lot of them didn't. And, and so that was that was tough. And we praise God. Now our, our building's full. Like God has been blessing. But but definitely that brings up a whole load of other questions that we need to address. People, <clears throat> someone who loves God, loves their brother and sister. First John four twenty one says, and this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. We Christians should genuinely love our brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. If you love your brother and sister, you would long to meet back with them. Uh, you would long to meet with them on Sunday. You couldn't wait to come Sunday to meet your brothers and sisters again, to find out how they're doing, to find out if you can pray for them, to see how you can lift them up, build them up for the kingdom. Um, and that is what we are to do. And if... If we genuinely love God, the Bible says we will love our brother as well. So let's let's look at why it's essential. I mean, let's go, let's dive into the, the word and figure out. I mean, we all agree here that it is. Yeah. And and the, you as a listener probably agree that it that it is, or at least would say that, but let's let's figure out why. I would I would obviously look to the the word of God for this and we we see that Christ gave his life for his bride which is the church and so yes when when you repent of sin and trust in Christ when you've been born again you become a part of the church but it's the church that Christ died to save yes you as an individual that's true of you too but we're meant to live in community uh, the church is how God operates in the world. It's not just Bobby or just Johnny. It's it's the church together working. It's the body of Christ. And I, I, like think about what what Paul says in Ephesians five, talking about husbands and wives. Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her, that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that He might present the church to Himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. And, uh, we've talked about this before, uh, before the, the pandemic. And then certainly during it, you had people talking about, okay, yeah, I love Jesus, but the church, eh, you know, not a big deal. Uh, I can worship God while I'm fishing on a Sunday. I can, um, you know, I can still love Jesus, uh, but I don't have to go be a part of a church. Well, the church is the bride of Christ. And so it's, that would be like saying, Jonathan, I love you, but I can't stand Kara. Just don't like her. And if you say that to me, I'm probably going to punch you in the face. <laughs> you know, it's not, that's not cool. You know? And so it's like, it, 
you know, to kind of put the terms, it's, it's like, you know, uh, Kara and I, we're, we're together in this. We're, we're one flesh. Amen. And so you can't separate the two to love Jesus is also to love the church because that's who he gave his life for. And so for one, I would say it's essential because Jesus loves it. Jesus loves his bride. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you want to say the bride of Christ is not essential, you're insulting the love of Christ. Amen. And, and we're not saying that the church is perfect by any stretch. Nope. Um, because yeah, it's made, there's, there's hypocrites there. Yeah, it's you know it's made up of imperfect people. We see we see Paul writing to the church in the New Testament, um, encouraging them and and trying to direct them. And so we're not saying this is the place to come because we know what we're doing and we've got it right all the time because that's not the case. Yeah, when I, you know, we we've all heard this before. And then what what is sad is the the secular response to not going to church has become the in quotes Christian response to going to church. Well, you know, the people there are this, the people there are that. And it, <laughs> you know, I always my you know, my ears perk up and my eyes light up when someone says that because I'm about to light them up with some truth because it's like, listen, you know, where else are you going where the hypocrites are? Mm-hmm. And where do you want the hypocrites to go? You There's want them to stay at home? At the gym too. Yeah, exactly. Still go there. Stay away. Yeah, you. You know, I go to the gym. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, listen, like, like what a what a jerk thing to say. Yeah. You know, where do you want people who are sick to go? Well, they go to the church. Oh, well, the hypocrites are there. Okay, fine. We can take one more. Come along with yeah. us. You know, like Johnny stole every example that I wanted to give, but I want to say this: Eat it. How, how selfish is it to say? That's what it is. I, I know people who talk to me all the time. Well, you, you guys still preaching on sin? You still doing this? You still doing that? Yep. And then I don't see them again for four months. And, you know, they, they say that they're a Christian, all this other stuff. And they go. And, and the most difficult people to deal with in this area are those who will go and they'll help others. Mm-hmm. They'll do all these good deeds. And they'll say, see, you know, they're basing their church on their own activity. But the world can donate to charity and yeah. and they can do all these good things. But if it's not in Christ, it's in vain, yeah. it's empty. And so that's just another area where it needs to be clear because I think this, this entire uh, pandemic, whatever you want to call it, did not, uh, did, did one thing very, very well. And that was reveal our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I would like to add um, as for another reason, the church is essential. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. We are all gifted and talented in different areas and with different um, abilities that God has given us. And we are all, we are to uh, uh, use those abilities for the church, for one another, uh, for God's glory. Um, I pray that uh, hearts are stirred and um, people respond to um, God's Holy Spirit. Well, where did Paul receive his encouragement? Like, where do we encourage one another? How are we supposed to do that? Through text? Like in smoke signals? No, we're supposed to come together uh, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, opening up the Word as our form of worship, and and being edified by as one another uh, for the glory of God. Like that, 
there's no reason for a context of Matthew 18 for church discipline if, if there's no church. You're not going to discipline someone who's never around because you don't know them. You're not involved with them. Uh, what we are to do is to come together and be vulnerable to one another, to open up to our lives, not to do the Christian lie that I'm okay, but to say I'm not okay. I'm hurting today. Will you pray with me? Instead of being so arrogant as we do, like for those who do come to church, you know, there is a legitimate beef there. Like, let's be honest with one another. Let's love one another. Let's, let's walk with one another in our struggle. We cannot do that if we're separate. And, and as Johnny said, and that, that's the foundation for it all. I think Vody said that. You, we're going to have a problem if you say you love me but don't love my wife. Well, how do you think a holy God is going to say, uh, what is he going to say when he sacrificed his own blood to cleanse and save his wife? Yeah, yeah you're, you're saying what, what Christ died for is not worthy of your time and your effort and <laughs> your being a part of. That's, that's a huge insult. <laughs> I'd go but also back to what G said, that 1 Corinthians 12 passage, why is the church essential is because there's an incredible unity in, in the, the diversity we bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Like Pastor Aaron and Pastor G have gifts that God's given them that I don't have. Um, Bobby, you have a gift that we don't have and, and vice versa. We are all meant to be a part of this in a way that some are eyes and some are ears and some are uh, feet. And those are wonderful things. We don't look at Bobby and think, oh, I'm, I'm exactly like him. So we don't need an, another one of uh, an, another eye. Or I don't look at him as an ear and go, I want to be an eye. We're all essential and the essential part of being the church. Amen. And that's why Paul goes on to say, therefore, when one member rejoices, we all rejoice. You know, when one member suffers, I think what he's getting at, it's, it's, it's a twofold thing. I've talked about it here before, but yeah, when, when one's suffering, we, you have a community to come alongside you and suffer with you. But also when you're not there, when you're not helping, when you're not putting into, when you're not providing your spiritual gift uh, to the church uh, and not not providing the help that our community needs, um, the assistance the church needs to proclaim the gospel in word and deed to our community and to our world, then the rest of the body suffers because of that. Much mm-hmm. like if an eye gets plucked out, yeah, the body can still function. It's just going to be a little bit more difficult for me to see. Uh, you could do that with other body parts. Is We have to understand that. Mm-hmm. So the church is essential, and the people that make up the church are essential uh, as individuals. And we, we all need e- each other. I try to tell uh, our church here that, like, just every once in a while, just say, hey, I need you. I know that's a kind of a weird thing to, to, ta- to, say, to say to people. It's hard for me to say right now. And, <laughs> <laughs> but, but we need one another to, to accomplish what Christ has commanded us to do. And, and I think if we, were, if we were honest with ourselves, if everyone was honest with ourselves, Doing the, you know, live feed at home, sitting in your living room, church was we were not good at. Awful. It. Yeah, we were not good at it. Didn't I mean, sing. You did. Yeah, I mean, let's be real. Let's we could have a confessional right here. I didn't sing half the songs. Yeah. I got up. If and you made did, my, it was like real low. Yeah, you, you know, know, I got up and made my coffee while yeah. while the preaching was. You know, like yeah. we could we could say that we. Dang, didn't, Aaron. He, you know, well, actually, I don't know about that confession. That, it, was I appreciate that. it was actually when when Johnny was yeah, okay. I, it was only him. Totally okay though. 
Um, you know, we, we didn't do it. We didn't do church the way that church is meant to be done when you're gathering with a group of like-minded people. We didn't relate the together, same. Praying yes. and breaking bread together and devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching. We weren't doing that together. And there was, I mean, I, I remember thinking, you know, even myself, a pastor of a church, being like, man, this is kind of easier. Like, mm-hmm. I remember thinking that. Sure. You know, like, I woke up later. You know, I, I remember making toast while, you know, one of the songs was going on. And, I mean, I knew the song already. I'd experienced it. You know, it was just kind of like, it was one of those things. And, I mean, I remember even saying that to, to Kara one time. And, I, I mean, I heard it on the radio this week. One of the ladies was still talking about that. She's like, yeah, when we're, when we're in a living room, you know, we're all gathered as a family and we watch it. But, you know, before long, none of us are singing. You know, the kids are looking at their phones. It, it's, it wasn't what the community of of christ is meant to be oh, it, it turned it turned into a television show yeah. is what it turned into. right yeah entertainment and that and what's super sad is like if you know what if we want to go out and crush these people with bad motivations we should be willing to look at ourselves yeah. and the way we've stewarded our homes yeah. what was the example we gave when we i mean i praise god that we were able to record on friday and saturday and i was able to oddly enough, watch myself, you know, or, you know, <laughs> preach, you know, and be like, and okay, I no wonder no one likes this. But anyway, um, you know, but we're looking around at our family. What are they doing during that time? Are we reverencing the word? Am I able to sing out because the rest of the crowd's not drowning me out? You know, and just, you know, I, if I can't even take that reproach in my own home, how can I say that I'm going to be faithful to the gospel anywhere else? And just to be like just to turn it to notch 11 here. Um, who do we trust with our lives? Like seriously, you know, I, there was no one on this earth likely besides someone maybe who was, who was taking cancer treatment, who was at a greater risk health wise than my father. And you never saw him miss one day. He came here and he hugged everyone just the same. He made them feel as if, you know, I'm going to talk about it a little bit, Lord willing, tomorrow if I just don't break. But like, what was essential to him was serving Christ no matter what the, what the risks were. So would we... Like and, the thing, and he would do it a thousand times. Yeah, 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 especially now. I mean, yeah. he did that with seeing Christ in part. Yeah. Now he is around the throne of God, Amen. worshiping Christ. Would he say, you know what? I really should have tried to prolong my life because, you know, God isn't the one who controls that anyway. You know? Yeah. Like, we've got to ask those questions. Like, we've got to look at our motivations. And I know that's, that's an extreme example. For us at Eden Chapel, it's personal. But at the same time, like it's legitimate. Like, who do we trust? Does God like? Are, is our wisdom going to make our days extended, or does God hold those? Right. So, if He holds those and He knows the end of our days, we need to be being a good steward now, and we need to take every opportunity, take every thought captive, and use it and leverage it for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. I would also go on a, there's a few more things that I would say that make the church essential. One for me, I'll go really quick. Uh, it's how the manifold wisdom of God's made known mm-hmm. in the heavenly places, which is, I, I don't, 
I can't fathom what all that means. I do know that the angels long and look into what salvation means. And so I think it's maybe the mirror that God uses to display his glory to angels who are in his presence right now. That's mind boggling to me, (laughs) but that's what Paul says in in Ephesians three. He's talking like, look, I've been made a a minister of this gospel. I'm a servant of this gospel, even though I'm the least. And he says, and I'm preaching this thing to the Gentiles, to anyone who will listen so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, the, the unfolding wisdom of God might made known to the heavenly places. So the church is used for that. Not just, not just Paul, but the church, like Paul sees himself in light of the, the fellowship of the saints. And then I would also say the church is how the gospel is proclaimed throughout the world. I mean, Christ commands it of his followers in Matthew 28. And then we have the church sends out Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas, they send them out. Um, and then Paul and Barnabas go. So there's goers and senders in the church. That's how the gospel goes forward. I think we've talked about it here on the podcast. The church is God's plan A for the world. There's not a plan B. Uh, that's how the world's won for Christ because the people of Christ go and are sent. Um, I would also say that the church is God's gift to the world. It, we have to understand that the church should be people who are changing lives in the communities they're in and in the world. Uh, we should care for our neighbor. I mean, that's the greatest commandment. And the second one is, you know, you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then you love your neighbor as yourself. And so if we love our neighbor as ourselves, we we care deeply for our community. And I remember talking to one of my friends. He's just recently uh, planted a church, and I was kind of asking him about, okay, so what, what's what's your strategy? What's what's it going to look like? What is your church going to be? And he he said, I want to have the Charles Spurgeon approach, which that kind of perked my ears pretty good. Um, I was like, okay, I like that sound. I don't know what that means exactly. But then he, he told me a little bit about it, um, that they wanted a church that mattered in their community so much like Charles Spurgeon did. So I'll, I just want to read a little excerpt from, from this book. Um, it says, at Metropolitan, Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, 1852, the uh, pastor's Charles Spurgeon, and the Industrial Revolution had began in the UK in the latter half of the 18th uh, uh, century. And in the 1850s, its, its effects pervaded England. People congregated in vast numbers of the cities um, as laborers and factories spiked, but it also meant that the number of under-resourced women, children, orphans, and widows exploded in London. And the, the author goes on to explain... The city was in crisis. The leaders didn't know what to do. They saw the mountain of needs that confronted them from every angle. Thus, in the 1850s, a lot of London churches did what a lot of American churches have done during the last 30 30 years. They fled the cities. These churches moved their locations to the outskirts of London, but not Metropolitan Tabernacle. Spurgeon saw this as an opportunity for the gospel. So Metropolitan Tabernacle looked at the needs of the people in the city, began to engage in helping them with their problems. They built almshouses for people who lost their jobs and needed to get back on their feet. The church built a large number of homes for the elderly and would care for them. The church created an orphanage where they educated, cared for, and fed thousands of orphans. They created homes for single mothers who lost their husbands and helped them find employment. All this among other things. And then it was noted, Metropolitan Tabernacle's influence spread so quickly throughout the poor and all the way up the class ladder to the uh, aristocracy. It got to the point that if Metropolitan Tabernacle had shut down at any point during that decade, the city of London would have been crippled. Mm. Like, what if, wow. what if we had a church like that? You know, 
here. It made Aaron so excited he just kicked the table. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm fired up. But that's what the church should be. Yeah, People who care so deeply and have the heart of God that we want to love our neighbor in word and deed holistically, both body and soul. We want to care about you both in this life and in the one to come. And that's what we should be doing is uh, not that, not that if, you know, not that we want to cripple our cities if we were to go under, but to care so deeply that if the church disappeared, it wouldn't just be like, ah, kind of like what this pandemic kind of proved. It was like, the, the, ah, just another thing, you know, the individual is not able to accomplish that. Yeah. You know, amen. Uh, a good example, again, you know, given a lot of personal examples here for Eden Chapel, but, um, on an individual basis, one of our uh, one of our biggest events would not be able to take place, and that's Love Cafe. And it just mm-hmm. happened, to, you know, a month ago, mm-hmm. and and we got to see the the joy on those kids' faces when they came. The pandemic caused us to postpone for a little while, um, but you know what? I bet none of us listening or here provided that opportunity at home because you you were you wouldn't be able to. Right. But as a church, we were able to come together to love those kids and, and point them to Jesus. Uh, kind of going back to what you said, Johnny, that being essential to your community, um, you know, and, and if, and if your church could disappear and it not affect your community, mm-hmm. then that's a completely separate problem yeah. Yeah. going on that, that they wouldn't even know you were yeah. not meeting or you no longer existed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, just one final thought, uh, as Aaron was uh, talking about who do we trust uh, Romans 13 makes it clear that we are to obey our government and obey its leaders. Um, but I, but we only do that um, when those laws don't uh, contradict God's laws. We obey God's laws. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, as Aaron said, who do you put your trust in? Is it the government um, or is it God? Yeah, yeah and I think just... My last comment would be, I think, as you alluded to earlier, Johnny, I think this, you know, the the whole Spurgeon, uh, the way that he attacked community and knew what it meant to be the church comes from Acts 2. Yeah. And, and I just got to read a little bit of it. Um, and I would suggest that all of you read uh, Acts 2, especially towards the beginning, or excuse me, towards the end there. In verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. That couldn't have happened online back then. That was because of gathering. That was because of knowing what they were teaching. Fellowship, the breaking of bread and of prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They're not searching to be divisive, right? They had all things in common. And look, Here's what Spurgeon was doing. And they were selling their possessions and belongings to, uh, for the distribution, distributing of, <laughs> easy for me to say, the pro- proceeds of all as any had need. And day by day, they were attending the temple together and breaking bread also in their homes. So it wasn't just meeting in the church. It was taking that church community into their own homes. You couldn't keep them apart. Right. You couldn't keep them apart. De- every Like, okay. The, the spiritual people come to church on Sunday. They come at the crack of 1045 at Eden Chapel, right? <laughs> they come. But if they're super spiritual, then they come on Wednesday, you know, for a whole hour. Um, and they make it a point to do that. 
these people were coming every day to church. And not only were they coming every day to church, but they were meeting together in their homes. They were selling their what they had to bless one another and to bless the community. Like, my goodness, like how many things have crept in there as being essential when what's essential has, has taken a back seat? We need to take that back. It's just like the rainbow, right? Reclaim it for what it is and what the symbol is and why it matters. And God has given us this thing, claiming his authority, taking the church into the world, and being who God has called us to be. Not simply uh, in, our, in our words, but in our deeds. Whether we're at home sick and before a screen, or we're together as God has commanded, we need to be faithful stewards of the gospel that Jesus Christ has entrusted us with. Amen. Yeah, my last thing would be to go back to the first text that Pastor Aaron read. It, it says that we should be encouraging one another all the more as the day approaches. The day is coming that Jesus Christ is coming back Amen. to judge the world, yes. to receive his bride. And so we want to be encouraging one another to stir one another up to love and to good works to, because we know that day is that, that day is definitely closer than it was yesterday. It's fastly approaching. And we know that Jesus, Jesus Christ is coming back. And so we, we go with, with warning to those who are unrepentant and unregenerate to, to hear the good news of the gospel, to come to life by the grace of God. And then for those of us who have been bought by the blood of Jesus to say, keep going because the work is not done. The fact that we're here another day means God is not done. And there's still people out there that need to hear the gospel. And so we want to stir one another up in love and good work. So why do we meet? Because we need to be stirred up because when you, when you get apart, when you get apart, it's very easy to get stagnant. We need to constantly be reminded of the grace of God by his word, by singing, by praying, and then by, by being sent out. Well, embers away from the fire die out. Yeah. Right. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So we would all in agreement say, and we hope that you picked up today that yes, the church is essential. Um, so, and we say this for every closing, I say it every closing statement, I encourage you to find a Bible believing church if you're not in our area. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we hope you're encouraged by this. Gentlemen, thank you for the discussion today on the, on the church being essential. Um, and let's close in prayer. And we can't wait to talk next time. Johnny, will you close us, please? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we praise you for the wonderful gift of your grace through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he came. He's born of a virgin, lived the life we could not live, sinless and perfect before you, completely obedient to you. And he died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and raised to life on the third day. And we know by your word that he gave his life for his bride, the church. So help us love the church. Help us to love meeting together. Help us to love your word. Help us to be unified by the gospel, to be sent out together with the gospel, to be senders of people who would share the gospel. Help us to love one another, to care for one another, to keep each other accountable. God, put it on our hearts to believe and to trust that the church is a wonderful, beautiful bride of Christ. And we thank you that though there's a bunch of people, me included, that make it up, that are hypocrites, we know that day by day you are transforming us more and more into the image of your Son so that on that day that Jesus Christ returns, God, we praise you that that day is coming. We will be a perfect and chaste virgin presented. 
to your son. We love you. We thank you. And we ask that you do come quickly. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today on the EC Podcast. If you do not have a church family, you can join us on Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 630 p.m. If you're outside the area, we encourage you to find a Bible-believing church for fellowship and worship. Until next time, God bless.